Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and we are about to delve into Phase 5 for the first time. I am your host, Derek McDuff, and joining me is the host of Common Ride With Me, a podcast I've had the pleasure of being on a few times, uh, James Norrington Ake Norrington, you're not from Pirates of the Caribbean. James Dorrington. <laughs> Parlay. Uh, <laughs> AKA Kip. How, how's it going? Uh, you know, it's doing all right. Like I got five on it for phase five of the MCU. I'm here. Uh, right. It's uh, good to return the favor because I think you've been on three or four times now to my one for you. So I like want to glad to be back on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, ma- I had to make sure to have you on, and like you said, repay the favor because you've, you've been kind enough to have me on a, a few times, uh, talking about, uh, some, uh, some stuff over there. Why don't you tell the people uh, about uh, your podcast before we get too much into it? Yeah, um, so I have always been a fan of like practical effects, and also like, like just like, um, from like being like a like kid to now, um, like, like the like, um. Um, like more like a Japanese style of like tokusatsu, which is like suits and fight scenes and like cool weapons. Like it's like very much like a like live action shonen anime thing. It's like for kids, but it's also like Marvel for kids, where it's like there's toys, but also like deep plot lines, like kind of thing. So it's like shows like Common Rider, Power Rangers, like. Ultraman, that kind of thing. Um, so that's like um, really interesting, like for my show because I um, brought in co-hosts um, that were not fans, that did not have that knowledge, that had not been following this stuff. How my show works is that um, there are like two shows. One will cover a like show as it's coming out, or like as it would have come out, like two episodes, and like follow something that's like a fifty-two episode show over like a year. And the other on the other weeks is like a like um more book club format where like me and two different co-hosts will look at something in like two or three months to be like, okay, what's this about? And it's um very cool because these shows have like some strange, consistent like themes about like who's allowed in society, who's othered, like how do you become human, like how do you learn to feel? So it's like a very cool like kind of like mix of like the kind of action that you might like is like a star wars or like anime fan and like also like oh like there are just like some cool like themes motifs that like keep showing up yeah yeah definitely i mean i i had a fun fun time being on you know i've been guested on some uh episodes that were kind of uh you know american toku robocop uh Mm -hmm. american werewolf in london but then i also got to do an episode where i just jumped into middle of a season uh one of you guys were watching uh i can't remember the name of the show but there was two of them and one of them was the uh year that they before they started adapting for power mm. rangers and and that was a blast to talk about yeah that was chosen sentai jetman which is the mm. jet 1991 super sentai which is like uh the like show that they turn into power rangers like when they localize it and that show is like this weird miasma of like cool jazz guys and like also like demons that make people fruit and like cockroaches that like steal like <laughs> weird life force it, it it's like a wild like ride uh 
but yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's that was a lot of fun. But yeah, um, but today we're here to talk about, and I guess it's it's you could maybe say it is a little bit toku because it does is about people in suits growing to different sizes, and um, so you know maybe maybe there's some crossover there. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna be talking about Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Um, so before you know we get too into it, um, if you wanted to just uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit uh, before Mike, but what's your what's your uh, kind of familiarity or background with the MCU? Yeah, like I was like a teen when the MCU started, so I like for a while it was like every movie was an event, and I was watching stuff. But over time, I think I did kind of like stop caring too much, and I, and like I think um, this is going to be the first time since like the end of the like Thanos saga, like where I've like caught up on like a bunch of movies. Like I um saw Quantum Mania and then I watched um Wakanda Forever so I could be more current. That's probably the first anything I've watched since the last Spider Man movie. Okay, okay. That's right. Yeah, I because I know I definitely have gotten a little bit of MCU burnout at times, uh since you know the end of the kind of uh Anno saga. Um and I know that's not that's not a unique thing. I know that it's happened with some people where they've just gotten burned out or just kind of fallen off, and it's just a lot to keep up on sometimes. Um, but with that all said, uh, <laughs> what did you what did you think about this one in particular, Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania? Uh, okay, so I definitely have some positive notes. Um, mm-hmm. Overwhelmingly negative notes, though. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that. Uh, this is a movie that's made to like be so broad. It's kind of like a McDonald's meal. It's just kind of like it's aiming for mediocrity in like certain ways, and it can like go against that. But it's definitely like sometimes just really hits hard or even misses the market of like backsliding way sometimes for me on this like stuff. I don't know. What was your thoughts? Uh, I I think I'm a little more positive on it. It wasn't. It's not my favorite uh, Marvel property uh recently because i know it has been getting a lot of hate which i think is a little little over over uh <laughs> a, a little a little much a little unwarranted in some cases um but i think it does the same thing that spider-man 3 or i should say spider-man no way home does where it's kind of the third one is kind of like oh it's a much bigger thing than the first two and it kind of uh is more of a just a bigger MCU movie than an Ant-Man or a Wasp movie. And what I mean is, like, you know, you don't have Michael Keaton and some of the side characters come back in Spider-Man 3, and in the same way you don't have... uh, They're going to this new quantum realm, and, all you know, it's just kind of a much more, you know... uh, You know, it's kind of cosmic-inspired, even though it's the opposite of cosmic, because they're going to inner space instead of outer space. Um, But it's kind of that weird side of the MCU that is been covered in like the guardians films or the last two thor movies where it's just very strange and you know instead of bringing back those characters from because ant-man's been mostly terrestrial in Mm. his first two outings and usually you lose his kind of like supporting crew that he's had and i'm a fan of those guys you know you you get a cameo from uh from jimmy woo um from um Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm spacing on the actor's name. I always call him Jim from The Office, uh, but uh, uh, the guy. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah. Um, but he he gets a little cameo there. But yeah, it's 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 a very different movie. I think that it's 
it's reminiscent of a lot of like 60s movies that are kind of like trippy kind of like weird very visually driven uh science fiction films that are have a lot of kind of quasi science in them uh, i liked it for that that aspect but i mean the the ant-man films have never really knocked me off my socks he's always been more of a supporting character for me in the uh avengers movies and but they've always been something i've enjoyed and this kind of it met my tempered expectations i guess is is what i'll say overall so I'm coming like kind of the opposite where like Ant-Man was one of the characters that I liked a little bit more just because like it was doing more interesting things with the infinite money and like possibility thing where like mm-hmm. um like um if you're Ant-Man your response to like a rocket like hitting a building and like making rubble fall down is like getting hit by the rubble normal size trying to escape like getting hurt worse like smaller or like getting big and like getting hurt and there's like this cool kind of like interplay with like the like physical world and like there's like big batteries and there's like tiny people and like tiny cars and stuff and i feel like this so got away from like the cool kind of just like trade-offs and like ways that like the powers interact with the world and like make for like interesting choices like what are you going to do and like the like whole point of like this power set is to like interactive things that we know and like see them kind of like through different lenses and i think it kind of like got away from like uh um like uh the like core way that like the power kind of like makes cool scenes and trade-offs just like being so outside of any world really yeah that's that's fair because that is something that you know the first thinking of the first Ant-Man, the the finale where they are on doing yeah. having that battle, and it's the you know you have that great cutaway, and it's the Thomas the Tank Engine thing, uh, that was really cool. So it does use the kind of like size change stuff in some fun ways. The building being kind of like that rolling backpack yeah. style thing in the second one was pretty great. And yeah, you you don't get a a lot of that here. Uh, so I think you're definitely right about that, but. One moment, and this is something I brought up on another podcast because this is the third podcast on on Ant Man that I've that I've done uh, in like it's four days. Uh, so I tried not to be too repetitive, um, but something that I did bring up on on that podcast that I really liked a lot was the ending of this film. Is that Ant Man is is he's always just kind of a regular guy. Like Scott Lang is just, and it, they do hit on it that he is just he's a con who just kind of has been swept up in this whole crazy superhero world. And he's just a normal guy. He has a suit that can let him do some cool things, and he knows how to use it. But he's he's a con he's a con artist. That's what he's good at. He's he's um, good at stealing things. And I do like that the first two are heist movies, and this this did lose that. But um, something yeah. I liked was the final fight. Uh, one of the criticisms that I think gets levied against Marvel is that no one is ever an underdog in a Marvel fight. Everyone is always like, even if you're going up against Thanos. Uh, you know, you still are like genetically uh, altered super soldiers or you have like a crazy suit or, you know, whatever it might be. And as soon as Scott Lang loses his helmet and he can't shrink anymore and he's fighting against, you know, um, Kang the Conqueror and Kang is just like whipping his ass like he I'm like, like Jonathan Majors is Jack. He's about to be in a fucking Creed movie, and yes. you're like, this fight is not gonna go your way, and he's like, 
he kind of has to be like, all right, I'm not going to beat this guy using my run. Like, Paul Rudd is strong, but he's not, you know, gonna, he's not like in a boxing movie strong. Uh, yeah. So he's like, he's like, I don't have to win. I just have to make sure you, you, you lose. So he's able to kind of think outside the parameters of the fight and kind of mix things up that way. And I did like that. It, it kind of harkened back to his roots of thinking outside the box when he, him being a thief. Uh, I don't know if you had any any thoughts about any of the the kind of stuff like that or the ending or any of that. So I definitely think that the highlight of this movie by far is Jonathan Majors. Like, holy mm. like hell, like what a run. What an incredible just like, oh, you're the guy. You are the person of this year of the next five, ten, whatever years you like. Not just Marvel, but like Hollywood. Just like if you've seen like some of the stuff he's been doing, what's coming up. It's like, oh, his presence, everything like. I'm normally like when I saw Bill Murray, as much as I like Bill Murray, I was like, oh, they're just like kind of like throwing money and the most obvious choice at like a like minor character to try and make it like cool. But mm -hmm. for Jonathan Major, like, oh, you're like in like wrestling terms, like signing the next top guy. Like you're like building the company. You're like Jonathan Major's like all of his stuff, like, oh, he's a normal person, but he has this suit that lets him do stuff. He makes things happen by like messing with timelines. That's basically like be all my sins like re remembered for like the MCU of like they solve their problems with like technology and timelines. Now there's just like like this villain that's of it. He like makes stuff that shouldn't have any weight carry a lot of weight. He's the perfect dude to like make anything of what is like sensibly for like a lot of people. Like oh, I saw the end of that story, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you're you're really hitting the nail on the head because I think Jonathan Majors is so good in this movie. And I think, yeah, in yeah. five years' time or whatever, like, he's going to be an A-plus lister. You know, just seeing him in, you know, a couple things like this and Devotion, which is, like, a fine movie, but he is incredible in it. Um, and I think that, yeah, introducing him with Loki and this as the kind of new big bad in the MCU is really smart. <laughs> That is something I think that, you know, after Thanos, it's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? And they are able to introduce someone who is, it is, feels like a more, at least as much of a threat, but, you know, instead of just threatening this universe, he's threatening all of the universes. And it doesn't feel like necessarily power creep because he feels like such an interesting, engaging character played so well by Jonathan Majors. And one thing I really liked about him in this movie is because of, you know, it being like this new quote-unquote multiverse saga that they're going into, um, they are kind of able to have their cake and eat it too. Whereas one thing I was worried about watching this movie the whole time was, okay, this is just a way for them to introduce Kang as the new big bad in the mm -hmm. MCU, and then... Paul Wright is going to do something dumb where he gets out and we're going to be like, oh, well, Ant-Man kind of is responsible for genocide now. And it's, you know, he makes it some <laughs> choice where you're like really mad. Um, but that didn't happen, obviously. Uh, he was able to defeat Kang, but then as we saw, and it was able to be a self-contained movie on its own where it's not just a prelude for something else to come. This was the last Ant-Man movie. It's the end of the trilogy. And it, Ended, ended, you know, that, that storyline. Uh, but also, it's like, okay, this Kang is defeated, but he's just one version of this new big bad. 
by him being defeated, now all these other Kangs are going to start noticing us and show up in the universe. So this decision that Scott made, which is a good decision, not letting a genocidal maniac out of this place, uh, is going to have some unintended consequences. So I really liked the way they played with that. Yeah, he's definitely, like, just so clear, like, they picked the right person, and that's good. Um, And, like, the casting in this movie is, like, incredible, too. Like, Michelle Pfeiffer, holy hell, she looks incredible. Like, the whole cast here, like, and, like, it's a little sad. It's, like, when Paul Rudd got cast as, like, Ant-Man, like, in, like, that lead role, it was, like, a surprise. Like, oh, he's going to be, like, an action star, like, a, like, leading man. And, like you're kind of not going to get that in like a modern MCU movie where it's like, no, we got this um, super hot young actor who's like clearly like a star. And like, it's kind of like, like I'd like to see them go back to like a little more screwball casting, but also Mm -hmm. at this point, like just the amount of talent in the Ant-Man movies, like through sheer like attrition is kind of wild where it's like, Oh my God, like the whole main cast. Like I, is it the first time we've seen Cassie Lang, or was she like in like a like cameo somewhere else? Like it. Yeah, we see we see her a little bit, and that that was the other thing I was going to touch up is is uh, touch on uh, because we see her in the first two Ant Man movies, but she's a kid. Like she references mm-hmm. like oh the B guy, and you, but she's she's very young, and then you see her in Endgame for like a second, you know, and she's grown up since then. Uh, but in all three of those versions and then now this version she's played by a different actress every time and so this time they brought in you know uh, i'm not sure who played her in endgame but clearly they wanted to bring in someone who i think is going to be a big player in the mcu going forward um so they Hmm. cast Catherine newton who people might recognize from movies like freaky or uh detective Hmm. pikachu um so what did you think of Catherine newton's performance being the other newcomer um i definitely the part of the movie that I liked the most was, like, the first 15 minutes, like, where it was all, like, oh, like, here's this, like, super content, hey, I'm wealthy and I'm accomplished and I've, like, helped the world, now I'm just kind of going to, like, hang out, like, Scott Lang and, like, his life. I feel like they definitely could, I would have loved if, like, five, ten minutes had been shifted to that part of the movie to, like, introduce her better, because mm. we're supposed to feel this pre-existing tension, I think, that we don't actually have it's kind of like hey there's pre-existing tension i was like okay let's go to the quantum realm in like 15 minutes like i felt like that definitely was lacking because like we've only seen her as a child or like hugging him in like one avengers movie like as an adult you know yeah that's true like there's there's not a lot of build-up for her and i think the build-up we do get is uh it is basically oh she she's like an activist and she's clearly kind of following her dad's footsteps like going to jail and stuff like that and kind of just fighting <laughs> against the system and i thought that was going to play into her character a lot more it didn't really yeah i mean there was there's moments where you know she she you know no finds out that her i guess step grandmother uh you know in um uh the original wasp uh you know, uh was kind of fighting against the system and stuff like that down uh you know uh when she was in the quantum realm fighting against uh mm-hmm. Kang uh but she doesn't really get any that resolution to that arc because i feel like she is honestly i think she and maybe Kang a little bit are kind of the main characters in this movie despite it being called Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah Ant-Man and even particularly the Wasp um you know 
Evangeline Lidley's um, Hope Van Dyne don't yeah. have a ton to do here. And like, there's some, there, there's apparently some stuff about like, I, I think that might've been partly because uh, Evangeline Lilly is unfortunately an anti-vaxxer. And so that meant that they were shooting this movie. She just could not be on set because of, you know, set restrictions and stuff like that. Uh, so that's why she is so in it so little. Uh, and a lot of the times when she even is in it, uh, she's like, they'll just be scenes with her and Paul Rudd and they're not even shooting those in the same state, which is not something that like exclusively oh. happens here. Um, but I, and I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate or if that's true, but that's something I've heard and it, it does kind of, it does all kind of make sense. Um, but yeah, Cassie well, definitely feels like she's the main character yeah. here. So two points to that. One mm. is I think that, um, on the whole Cassie part, um, I'm surprised that they didn't like Ginny Weasley her and, and like make her like be hearing messages like from Kang in the quantum realm and like she's actually <laughs> instigating something. Mm-hmm. And like um a like another part of that like first point, like I think the idea of the story ended, like phase three ended, and now there's all these new heroes that like have all these abilities but didn't have to go through it and like think that like the older heroes are like resting on their laurels or like too satisfied with the world that they saved like that's a cool conflict but um that's not really super here in full because it's kind of dropped halfway through once they like get to the cg but um my second point is man uh you can tell people weren't in the same room you can tell there weren't physical sets like that very first scene i think like it's like a nighttime scene and there's like a like some grass and there's this weird cg monster splitting in two and i was like i can't see anything <laughs> there's <laughs> no colors it's all a blur and i think like uh it, it's like like just like a color grading problem and like a certain amount of like there should be something physical like i'm saying like make the costumes like a little less like metallic and muted make the like backgrounds like some of it physical some like a little less of the same kind of sheen like everything kind of blends in like and like even there's like some like costuming and makeup it's very slight and very muted and like very touched i would love if they like had a little bit more prosthesis a little bit more makeup a little bit more color a little bit more costume in there okay because yeah that was that was one thing that i saw a lot on twitter like a lot of people criticizing the kind of look of the movie i didn't i didn't feel that as much um and maybe it's because I saw this on like a huge Dolby screen and like Dolby obviously is famous for like its colors just mm. kind of like really like popping. Um, so it didn't feel that muted to me, but um, it's it's something, a criticism that I've definitely heard from quite a few people, uh, including, yeah. you know, one of my, my co-hosts from my other show, Underrated, has mentioned that uh, it, it bothered him a bit. Um, so so like, I, yeah, I can say that. No, go ahead. Um, so I know that I'm the guy who likes practical effects and I like mm-hmm. talk about like a lot of superhero media that like has like physical costumes and like more physical like fights like grounded in like what they can do practically or like in wires. But even so, so I don't hate CG. In fact, I am very sympathetic to the way that like it's a newer industry that is not properly unionized and massively exploited to like churn things out at like super low cost and like super high amount and like it's like overused and like through like people that are like being abused so like mm-hmm. i'm not like oh like cgr is 
are doing a bad job. They're doing an incredible job, like with like probably the bare minimum in like time and resources and like massive amounts to do to like weird specs where they don't have control to say, hey, this is gonna look a little off or blend in. But um so my critique is more to like the current way that CG is viewed as an okay, like we can film fight scenes not knowing what movie they're going to be in and insert them later. We can have people not in the same room. We can have people like not lit, not have physical props, not have anything there like a traditional scene. I think that hurts because like part of art is like intentionality and like part of art is like limitation. And like I think that when you don't have to intend things, you can change what the intention is. And like when you can just work without limitation, you're going to kind of get stuff that like has trouble hitting for like, like just that hard. Like um, a couple months ago, I uh, watched. Um, have you watched like the Ip Man movies at all or no? I've seen the first one. Yeah. Um. So if you don't know, Ip Man is. Um, this dude who was like a grandmaster of martial arts in like China, both pre and post World War II. He also trained Bruce Lee. So basically, like that means he's carte blanche for any Chinese nationalism like story. <laughs> um, and right, like that's like hmm. um, in a spinoff, I think this dude that met him is like, oh, no, Dave Batista is running like a sex trafficking ring. What am I going to do? Um, and um there's this one fight scene where like it's basically all about there being like a slight incline and all of the fight is because the roof that they're filming this fight on has a slight incline and that's changing who has like the power in their stance and who can like move like effectively without like losing their ability to like strike and like their balance and that's like a cool action scene that you will never see in a movie that does not have any limitations on set or having like a physical location. And I think that's like a real problem with action and like with like fantasy and sci-fi is like, Oh, there's no limitation. There's nothing that doesn't look how we intended it. So you kind of like lose a lot of character and like a lot of like ingenuity. Like you don't have to think up anything past that first sketch kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. It's because it's I, I do DM in, in D&D, and uh, it is a, they're one of the things that I always personally struggled with is, um, you know, uh, when I would have play, the players fight on something, just, like, mapping out, the, especially once, hmm. you know, the pandemic hit and um, we were partially, if not all, just doing it virtually, being like, okay... How how does like everyone stacking up on the train? How is all this affecting everything? Um, you know, rather than just like okay, you're saying you're five feet apart, whatever, you can just shoot the person. Just when you have that extra level of just kind of um, you know, like you said, the environment playing into it, it it does affect it. I I have kind of I've complained in the past about uh, things that feel like they are overly done on like I don't know if this was done on the volume, but like things that feel like they're completely just shot on just, you know, fake sets and everything. And I've loved, like, for example, Andor, which I feel like utilized real locations and stuff like that. Andor was incredible. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, 
I was just saying, and then, but I feel like I don't mind as much with something like this because they are in a completely, like, a realm that could not exist. Like, this is not, there's no analog to the real world. They're in a world where it is completely, it's, it doesn't bother me as much that it is all so CG because it is this kind of, uh, just fantastical world, other than something like Obi Wan, where they're, it's like, why this is just a desert. You don't need to do this on you know, the volume. But I mean, I definitely take take your point. Um, but yeah, I just it, it for me it worked on the level of like this is a movie like Black Hole or just this cheesy '60s movie where it is just kind of going through all these trippy visuals. Um, and it wasn't the action in this movie. Yeah, it, it was it was, you know, not even something that I thought about too much um, positively or negatively. So but I can it was much more about like the kind of visuals and the characters and um, all of that stuff um, rather than any kind of the physical blocking. But I, I see I definitely see your point. Um, you mentioned like being like a DM and um, you can't. 100% creates the 3D space as the characters would see it. So you have to choose what to add emphasis to and like choose like focus points and that can like make things so much more cool and more interesting, right? Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like what's happening a lot in Hollywood is they're just like, "Oh, we don't need to make any choices beforehand. We can change whatever after." And like that's like a whole lot that you miss from like just like any kind of storytelling or like like just like composition so like in my mind just like just add a real staircase with real lighting and add the rest that you need cg but just have something to like ground you a bit and like ground the shots and just have something to like compare the fantastic like oh our stairs are still stone in this realm but like we're fantastic kind of thing you know Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know too much about like what was practical and what was just digitally painted over. Um, and I think it might be a situation like, uh, not not to the extreme that it was, but like Avatar Two, where they were doing real things on real sets because Michelle Pfeiffer has talked about like how they were on actual sets, but it is still all kind of like digitally painted over and digitally mapped over in the same way that Avatar Two or both Avatar films were so i mean i i don't know enough about the production and post-production to say but i i did see an interview with her talking about that so um you know it's it's i i would have really have to watch it again to to kind of get that level of understanding but yeah like i said it it didn't it didn't hit me in the same way that i i think it hit some people and it didn't feel like completely like just kind of nonsensical and bouncy like something like cats did where it was just like what is the scale to any of this and like they clearly were just like tom hooper was like infamously just like yeah we'll just shoot him and then the artist will just take it over late like there was clearly some planning involved here um but yeah i i see what you're saying um so I know, was, there... was pretty based though. That's like that's the <laughs> right way to do cast. That's like that matinee for twenty two years mentality. That's good. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like whatever. It's cats. It'll win some <laughs> Academy Awards. I just I think yeah. think that I was like, how did everyone involved in that movie not know that it was going to be like? Did no one was anyone like this is going to be bad? Like people thought that movie they were like like making an Oscar push. Like it was on for your considerations. Like it had like the fancy like gold border up side the AMC poster and stuff. Like 
It's just wild, that movie. Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> you know how mad you would be if you're, like, Idris Elba, and you're like, man, like, I didn't, like, getting cats? This is going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. It's like getting killed in, like, a horror movie. Like, you know, it's just like, yeah, I want to <laughs> do it. Yeah, and, like, Tom Hooper had won, like, you know, multiple Academy Awards at that point. You know, he's, he's won Best Director, I think. He's won uh, Best Picture. So just people were like, yeah, okay, like, this guy knows what he's doing. He's adapted Les Mis, you know? Uh, let's let's let him do Cats. Let's see what happens. And, oh, man. But, yeah, like, like Cats, you, like you said, it's just, like, it started with, like, you know, T.S. Eliot doing coke or whatever and just, like, writing down his insane stories. And then Andrew Lloyd Webber probably also doing coke in the 80s, like, you know, doing, and then, you know, somebody else probably was doing coke in 2018 was like, all right, now we'll make it a movie. So it, it all follows one another. Perfect. That is perfect movie making. <laughs> Just sometimes you have to make a movie and say, this is the most important thing in the world. And actually, we didn't care too much, but it's here. <laughs> but you, you had talked about there were some things that you had liked about this movie as well. Um, were there any particular you wanted to shout out? Yeah, um, I think I. Um, did like the main thing being is that first 15 minutes where it's like oh here I saved the world a couple years ago and now I have a book and I just hang out that's a cool way to start your characters off and like have them kind of like just like be at the start like hey it's been two movies plus all like my like non Ant-Man like ones Um, and then I think like Jonathan Majors, like Michelle Pfeiffer, incredible. Um, Kirk Michael Douglas, Douglas too, I gotta say, yeah. um, or uh, was 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 real was real good in this. Or uh, Michael Douglas, sorry, uh, uh, Michael Douglas, I thought was was pretty great. Yeah, he's not given much to do. I was like, okay, when this guy dying? Somebody has to die. It can't be Michelle Pfeiffer. And I was like, <laughs> no, he didn't. He just like fisted some flashlights for like half an hour. <laughs> I just love it. He's like, I'll drive. And you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, one of the things I thought was like the m- most um, weird was Modoc and the whole Darren thing. I was like, at the end, they're like, oh man, my arc. I was like, what arc, dude? What happened? <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. I, I did. I, yeah. Cause how did you feel about Modoc? Cause I, I kind of liked it. I thought it worked with the goofy tone of the Ant-Man franchise. Like, I don't think you could have brought him in to... There's, I think Modoc's a character that people have wanted to see in the MCU, but he's not someone you could bring into most MCU movies. But because of the tone of the Ant-Man movies, and particularly this one and how weird it got, I think it was a pretty good fit. I think they probably could have made him look a little bit more messed up and wrinkly and, like, he would have looked better. <laughs> uh, But, yeah, like... He definitely just, like, I didn't get his character's motivations too well. He was just like, hey, it's time for me to have a point in my arc. I'm here. I'm happy. I was like, what relationship does he have with Cassie Leg where that's his big arc? He's like, I'm not a dick anymore. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I like that because it was, you know, he was... He, he like he did like try to like murder her when she was like four years old or whatever, and he's always been kind of crazy. And I was just I like Corey Stoll. I think he's he's underrated as a comedian, and and having him kind of that's one thing like, I talked about. Like oh, they didn't bring back so many of the principal cast from the first two movies. You know, I'm very sad I didn't get to see Walton Goggins come back, but I was glad we got to see Corey Stoll come back. And and wait, Walton I felt Goggins like they, they, is an Ant Man? Yeah, he's in the second Ant Man. I, I I'm just what? like yeah, he's he's the he's Sunny. Uh, he's the kind of like. Uh, 
he's the he's the kind of just grimy uh like arms dealer or whatever that is is in that movie that is the kind of guy you know is a bad guy from the start who's kind of a like a third or fourth tier bad guy and yeah i would love to see because that's one thing i think marvel's really good at is just being like oh we have this character you know that we had five movies ago let's just bring them back let's uh let's bring back sam rockwell for like a a uh, little like a uh, one shot where we reintroduce uh, the ten rings or whatever, and yeah. you know hopefully they'll be able to bring back Wal- Wally Goggs somehow like that because I'm a really big fan of his being a big Justified fan. Um, have you seen Righteous Gemstones? I have. I haven't seen. Uh, I've seen like the first few episodes. I'm. Uh, I need to watch more of it, but I really, I really like him in that. Yeah, he's incredible in that. Uh, but no. Um, he definitely. <laughs> You need to finish season two and let me know what you think about uh, his character in that show because it okay. takes a really fun turn. Um, but no, um, I think that um, there definitely was a strong Ant-Man cast that was missing. Um, and like, I think I would have... What they were trying to go for with MODOK kind of felt like... Remember in Billy Madison, his boss that he was like huge that kept showing okay. up in scenes? That's basically what his character was. Like, this big dude that got, like, nailed in his head at the beginning. Show him <laughs> later. And you can count, Shooter, on me. When for yeah. you. That's Jaws, by the way. That's, like, Jaws from the Bond movies. Oh, shit. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, I love that scene where um, Kane just went, and I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah, just, um, what what else is there to the movie like i i like kind of um wonder what's next for ant-man are they gonna make another ant-man movie or is it just gonna show up in like in like random like other movies for now on or is it like mostly cassie i think it's gonna probably yeah be mostly cassie and you know he's gonna be and i think he it's gonna be like how like when the iron man trilogy ended iron man was still a main character but was kind of just you know he his movies were done uh, I think that Marvel, you know, has done a good job of like doing these trilogies and then ending the characters there and just having them kind of fall into supporting or just kind of roles, but in ensemble films, uh, with the exception of the Thor movies, which, you know, uh, Thor 4 is the only fourth one we've got. So I think this is probably it. But I think that, yeah, Cassie is probably going to be the more central figure going forward. And, you know, they did a lot to set her up here. I thought, and that, you know, I think that's also why she got recast as as Catherine Newton. Um, but that I think that leads into a question that I had was, which how do you think this movie sets up for Phase Five because or future movies? Uh, because I think that's one complaint that people had, which I don't really agree with. Because I, um, but like people were like, oh, where's the where's the MCU going? All these have just been standalone movies. Because I think Phase Four was kind of a lot like Phase one where it's like having these characters these we're introducing a lot of new people and a lot of new uh, stories and then now with when just like when phase two started and you got you know thanos revealed the end of avengers uh and now you've had kang revealed you see this big threat coming for that is going to be kind of the driving force in all these future projects so do you think that this did a good job setting that up at all I could did a lot better than other movies. Like, for example, uh, the most recent Doctor Strange movie. I was just like, man, uh, it would be cool if Doctor Strange was uh, 
a main character in his own movie. Uh, <laughs> had an arc, had stuff going on that mattered to him, besides just like moving the pl- the plot forward. But no, um, like I think that my hope is that they kind of take this multiversal like version of this one character and kind of like challenge the notions. I think that like oh like we are the heroes we are the main characters we are allowed to do things and make these like shifts and make these timeline things and like i hope that like it does kind of become like actually you're not special kind of thing like the way they set up the like king who was the outsider as like so much like the heroes of the mcu i hope that is where they focus things that could be really cool but also like I might just be tapped out. Like, I'm not sure like what they could do to set up besides saying there's a bunch of dudes. They're all cool. They're all together now. Like, I'm not super familiar with the comics. Like, are they just going to be more like in that same Doctor Strange movie? Where it's like, oh, here's this other Captain America here, and here's this, and here's this. Is that like the main driving focus? Like, here's the version of like, oh, we're all like in like Quantum Leap. It's like, oh green means stop and red means go in this universe and here's like a female captain america is that like it i I don't know yeah like it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with that i really only am familiar with kang from the show earth's mightiest heroes from a couple years back that avengers show which i thought did a really good job with him but i do like that he's he does allude a little bit in this one to the fact that this kang has already met other alternative versions of the Avengers and he's killed them and he's like, Have I killed you? Were you the one with the hammer? Um so yeah, we might it might be something like in Doctor Strange how we saw some alternative versions of some characters, but I do think we will still have like our core heroes from the quote unquote six one six or whatever universe you want to call this yeah. this main uh movie timeline. But I I do think we might it might be like maybe <laughs> even like a Spider Man far from or No Way Home situation where you're going to get some cameos and maybe even supporting characters from some like other Marvel stuff. I think that that might be, you might get some characters from the X-Men movies. Like, I think that's what probably what Deadpool is going to be. Deadpool three is going to be, it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's maybe even like Deadpool three is like, uh, I'm vaguely familiar with the comic from a couple years ago where Deadpool kills like the entire MCU or the entire uh, Marvel Universe, and that's some alternate Deadpool, then the one from the main Deadpool has to go and stop him, mm-hmm. so you know, maybe we'll get some, a Deadpool will show up, and then you know, like Hugh Jackman Wolverine, or like, you know, and then you'll get like Nick Cage Ghost Rider, that's 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 been, always been on my list, like oh, have wow, Nick Cage Ghost Rider show up, you know uh, have, you know, have a cameo by by uh, um What's his name from The Shield who played Ben Grimm, you know, like you, there's so much weird yeah, yeah. stuff you could do, you know, get get like, I don't know if they would be able to do it, but like he might be up for it. He was just in a Dunkin' Donuts ad. So get Ben Affleck to show up as Daredevil, you know, and have him meet Charlie Cox. Do get weird with it. And I think that's something that this allows you to do is to get weird with it and play with the this, you know, the, Marvel's always had a very big sandbox. The MCU's always had a really big sandbox, but I think that these last couple movies have showed that with this kind of quote-unquote multiverse, their sandbox is expanding so much more. However, um, like, there are still people trying, and there is a graveyard just full of people that try to make their own 
cinematic universes like oh like the dark universe and like whatever like yeah. the like planes and cars you whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. like um and like marvel was basically the only one that had like major success in doing that really mm-hmm. um however everybody's on this multiverse train like and like marvel and dc kind of get to but like you hear stuff like oh when everything everywhere all at once came out like executives were like oh yeah people must love multiverses i think they're at a real risk of just getting burnt by not being ahead of the trend and honestly being a a, a like step or two behind even if like they justify and have the history with this kind of concept i can see it flooding the market there's like a multiverse dc movie coming out this year too you know of the flash so i think they're in a dangerous place where like they just could like see people being very fatigued by multiverses i'm there i'm not like a normal audience though but um it's definitely something where people are like man this is like the ninth multiverse movie like i can't believe they put out like a new matrix multiverse movie <laughs> yeah, like no, like, thing, you know? yeah like I, I see what you're saying but like i feel like i don't know like i feel like you know if people aren't getting superhero fatigued then i don't think they're gonna get multiverse fatigued either you know and I think that yeah, I don't know. I, I like you said the, the DC is putting out one, and um, so it seems like yeah. And there have been other ones like you know I've heard some people compare like the MCU stuff to Rick and Morty, and um, which you know obviously is doing a lot of multiverse stuff. And you mentioned everything everywhere, but I think as long as Marvel makes things that are creative and interesting, which I know some people, your mileage may vary, but for for me, at least, these movies are still creative and interesting, and if they are doing these multiverse things, and an advantage that Marvel has that most other things don't have is that they have, they are able to pull these yeah. characters in from alternative versions, um, and I think that's something that, obviously, DC is banking on, like, to the point where they, like, they saw the success that Spider-Man Far From Home had, and were like, well, uh, what are we going to do? Um, how about Michael Keaton? We can pull him in. Have it be the multiverse, you know? So I think that, that you know, DC, as they have done so often, are, are kind of just cribbing Marvel and hoping that, you know, they can replicate their success. Um, but yeah, I think I think that Marvel, if they've, the in, you know, if they haven't lost the fans now, I don't think they're going to lose them uh, on the multiverse thing. I think that I'm most excited for actually Sony because um, we watched Morbius and that has like a multiverse post credit scene where Michael Keaton just shows us like, hey, I heard you Morbius. And that's it. <laughs> that is the wild. Like, I didn't watch that movie, but I watched that post credit scene. And it's clear that like, like when Michael Keaton shot that, like he didn't know like who he was going to be talking to or like he just shows up and he's like in a new universe. He's like, I hope the food's better in this joint. Hey, Doctor Morbius. Why don't I think it's some? I think it has something to do with Spider Man. And you're like, what is happening right now? So yeah, I have no idea what's yeah. going to happen with all that Sony shit. That is that is beyond wild to me. Just get Michael Keaton to show up and do like a local car yeah. dealership commercial every couple of movies. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Like, what is what is Craven the Hunter going to be like? That movie, like, like I don't know. Like, they've got their Madam Web movie, which I'm like, all right, I like Dakota Johnson a lot, so maybe I'll see this, but like. I don't know, like, it, it's it's just very interesting, and, you know, uh, hopefully they can do something, which I did like, that the way they brought in Venom into the, um, they're like, okay, well, Venom, clearly, they, they didn't know what they were going to do with Venom when they made that Venom movie, but then, 
they do their Spider-Man thing, and you end Venom too with him being sucked into you know the MCU because, and you're like, oh man, this is gonna tie into No Way Home, and then it doesn't come at all in the whole movie. He's just sitting on a bar, drinking, getting drunk in Mexico with Danny Rojas. And then he just like disappears again and then that leaves the Venom symbiote. And it's like, cool, that was the only thing that mattered from this character in the MCU is there's a piece of the symbiote here that's maybe going to play into a movie later. And I thought that was so brilliant. If, like, if Marvel can continue to acknowledge the Sony movies in a kind of like, you don't really matter, but every once in a while, maybe we'll give you like a little bit of a wink and like a lady, like just keep doing what you're doing, but it's set. It's mostly so we'll acknowledge you sometimes. Like, I think that's a good way to do it. They should end every move with Michael Keaton like showing up at the end from like a different <laughs> like just being like, Ant Man, I thought that was an aunt. No. <laughs> or an uncle, I don't know. There's something like wild. Just like, oh. Yeah, there you go. Just just bring in Michael Keaton, you know, just just have him because he, he's up for it. He he you know, he he he's just gonna show up like if he was shooting the Sp- the Spider Man movie, uh the first one, he and he was playing the vulture, he just kept saying in the fight scenes whispering to Tom Holland, I'm Batman the whole time. <laughs> That's got to be really good, but, like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Spider-Man, because I feel like they, like, ended that last week, and be like, and now we're going to do basic down-to-earth Spider-Man, and we're totally not going to introduce Venom and Miles Morales and the Sinister Six next movie all at once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, Sony doesn't exactly have the patience that Marvel does, so, and Kevin Feige has many times given them advice that they have not listened to, so... We'll see what happens with that, but I'm excited for it. Uh, if you watch these Sony movies that aren't MCU, you need to tell me because there's some <laughs> funny stuff. Honestly, Morbius is so hilarious because it thinks that you're going to like Jared Leto. And it's like, that's not going to happen, bro. Yeah, no, no. Jared Leto, even in like movies that I really like, like Blade Runner 2049, I'm like, this movie's almost perfect, but Jared Leto's in it. Yeah, like he's like the like... um weird like when you get like a food that doesn't need like a twist of lemon but you have like a lemon with it and you try it you're like damn this tastes like shit now <laughs> kind of yeah, eat around that's this. a good way to put it it's a good way to put it like he's the only joker from jack nicholson on like mark hamill you have heath ledger that isn't like even like zach galifianakis he's the only joker that people don't like that's yeah no wild. it's true yeah, that's very, like people, you know, like they like th- that role has w- taken home multiple like both Heath Ledger and um, Joaquin Phoenix won on Oscar for that movie, and everyone and then meanwhile people are just like, yeah, but fuck Jared Leto with his stupid tattoos and and then like how he like there was like that internet meme where he was just, just like we literally like tried to put it in the Snyder cut and even Zack Snyder. Like while putting in the promos, cut it out of his movie. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he had Margot Robbie as like his like Harley Quinn, like and like to all the fans, like oh yeah, like horny Joker Harley. Qu-. Even that didn't save him. Like even the bottom yeah. basement, like Harley Quinn yeah. and Joker, sexy whatever you know. And people, and the thing is, like people love Margot Robbie they as Harley Quinn. Like her. she is so good. Like she's like you know in two different DC franchises playing the same character in these different ensemble movies. And they're like, okay, but we don't want her in a Joker movie or anything, but like, let's get her in, you know, the birds of prey and in the suicide squad movies. And yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. She's the only constant they have. The only actual (laughs) constant star they have in their whole multiverse of movies right now. 
pretty much pretty much honestly but (laughs) but yeah um before any final thoughts on ant-man 3 and just the mcu going forward well yeah um i think that um it's going to be an interesting ride as the mcu tries to recast these characters that it did such a slow and methodical grounded job casting and then introduce characters who maybe don't have that charm or that time. And like, it's just like, I hope they find a way to make these character driven, but also it'll be an interesting failure if they just kind of keep being like, here's this character. She goes to Harvard. She's also <laughs> Iron Man, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, like the, the amount of people are saying there's going to be a young Avengers thing, which like clearly they're introducing a lot of young legacy versions of these characters. We'll see how that plays out obviously you know we know that the name of one of the the next or the next avengers movies is the king dynasty so i think we'll get a lot of young avengers in that leading into you know the final avengers movie in this in this like you know that's been announced at least so yeah curious to see what happens with all of that but uh yeah thank you thank you for coming on and, and talking with me uh yeah this this was a lot of fun and uh i think yeah definitely you had some interesting insights with your you know background in toku and wrestling and stuff like that that i might not have picked up on so yeah that that was great um uh oh, where um, where can people hear i know you mentioned the top but where can people hear more of you um one thing really quick if you want to yeah. see uh some innovative mcu action um um triple a uh the second biggest mexican wrestling company has a licensing deal with marvel so that <laughs> means on their big shows just have like thanos and spider-man versus like captain america and like hulk just like a bunch of people dressed up like like not popular like acts and they'll just like have stuff like spider-man come in on like a zip line and that kind of stuff like upside down and like these weird matches <laughs> that's awesome so, that's fun there um but no, um, you could find a uh, my podcast um, um on comeandridewithme.com uh, as Come and Ride With Me wherever podcasts are. Um, there is um, our Twitter at Come and Ride With Me and that kind of stuff, which is uh, just a lot of um, kind of neglected Twitter, but we're, we're working on that. But uh, no, <laughs> uh, just uh, just every week a new show and um, some fun. Bonus episodes like soon. Like I think uh for um for April we're going to look at um the live action Mario movie as the like new one comes out. Nice, very nice. We we covered that movie back on Underrated a while back. So I'm thinking um in March maybe we'll cover Blade Runner and then in April we'll we'll cover the Mario movie because that was like made like the directors wanted to make Blade Runner for kids apparently is like what they said in, like interview so i want to like look like that kind of thing that lens yeah. <laughs> but yeah looking forward to hearing that one man yeah absolutely but yeah. yeah uh if you guys want to hear any of uh more of me also i do a couple as i alluded to other podcasts uh the main one that i do other than this is underrated that i do with my friends alan and ariel uh, where we cover underrated and unappreciated movies. Uh, you can find us on all the social medias. We're probably not as active on Twitter as we should be either, but um, Undercast Company on Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, which now we're, we're starting to do some TikTok stuff, including some 
short reviews we're calling Microdose that we're having a lot of fun with. Um, I also have uh, the podcast that I co-host with my friend Damien called Can I Say Something uh, that is on every other week uh, that we usually just kind of whatever new releases are out or you know do top five lists things like that and then uh i also want to shout out my friend ariel's podcast uh can't or you've never seen where we talk about movies that we should have seen by this point and one of us gets introduced to them by the other one uh, so we're gonna be talking about the aliens the first two alien and aliens movies oh. um so that should be a lot of fun <laughs> those are incredible movies yeah she's She's never seen them, and I'm so excited to introduce them to her because they're they're both really good in completely different ways. Oh, like literally, could not ask for a better just contrast. Like they fit and they don't fit, man. Like the things that started to be all on the correct bunch, like Godzilla, Trevor's aliens, all that stuff. I love that shit. <laughs> me, yeah, yeah. Same with me. I, I I love all that stuff. So. That's something to look forward to. So check us out there, guys. Uh, after, of course, you check out Common Ride with me. Um, until the next MCU thing, though, uh, we'll be signing off here and uh, catch you next time. Celsius!